few weeks ago, we began walking through Matthew chapter 13. You know, Matthew chapter 13 is a chapter full of parable after parable. And if you remember, a parable is a practical story that illustrates a spiritual truth. And so far, we have looked at the parable of the soils, the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And then last week, we looked at the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of leaven. And then this morning, we're going to look at three other parables. We're going to look at the, the parable of the hidden treasure, the parable of the, par- the pearl, and the parable of the net. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to be reading and studying this morning verses 44 through 50. So Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 50. This is what God's word says. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. And may God's word and the reading of his word and the study of his word this morning be honored. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you this morning. Just once again, thanking you for the privilege of coming together to worship you. Father, this morning, as we continue to walk through Matthew chapter 13, as we continue to look at these different parables, Father, may you reveal to us the truth of your word. May you speak to me. May you speak through me this morning. Father, may your word penetrate into each one of our hearts this morning. Then, Father, may we leave this place this morning, Father, with a greater hunger for you and a greater desire for righteousness and a greater desire to impact this world. For, 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 for all of eternity. Father, we love you and we thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many of you remember the MasterCard commercials, the priceless ones? Do y'all remember those? Man, you know, I used to love those commercials. You know, I believe that the first one, according to some research, came out in 1997. And the first one It begins as a father and son are walking up to a baseball field to go to a professional baseball game. And they're walking through the turnstile. And as they begin to walk through, there's soft music that begins to play in the background. And you hear the narrator begins to speak, and the narrator says, Two tickets, $46. Then there's a little bit of a pause Two hot dogs, two popcorns, two sodas, $27. An autographed baseball, $50. Real conversations with your 11-year-old son, priceless. And then the narrator goes on into his tagline, There are some things in life that money can't buy. For everything else, 
there's MasterCard. Y'all remember those commercials? I mean, it was just one of those taglines. I mean, we all still remember that tagline. You know, I love those commercials just, you know, not because of the, the MasterCard necessarily, but just that tagline there. For everything else in life, there's MasterCard. You know, there are some things that in life that are indeed priceless. When you think about your relationships with your family, with your friends, you know, some of you have treasures around your house that you would consider priceless, like pictures, and maybe there's knickknacks or something that's been passed down from generation to generation into your home, Um, and you've got memories that you would consider to be priceless. This morning, what I want us to see, our message point is this, knowing Jesus is priceless. Having a relationship with Jesus Christ is priceless. You cannot put a value upon it. This morning, we're going to be looking at three different parables in which Jesus speaks of the pricelessness of the kingdom of heaven. So notice our first point this morning, it is this, the hidden treasure, the hidden treasure. We see again in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, it says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes out and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. Back in June, I came across an article that was written about a pastor that lost his life while searching for buried treasure. And, and Forrest Finn, a millionaire from Santa Fe, New Mexico, buried a chest of gold, jewels, and precious artifacts somewhere up in the Rocky Mountains. The treasure at the time of its burial was valued to be $2 million. And Mr. Finn intends to keep that buried until one of two things happen. Number one, the treasure is found, or if the value increases to be $10 million. The goal for Mr. Finn was to get people off the couch and into the wilderness. Apparently, thousands upon thousands of people have gone out searching for this buried treasure. And because it hasn't been found to date, uh, many people believe that it is actually a hoax. The only clue that Mr. Finn has left people with is a short poem that lead people to where this buried treasure is. This search for this treasure is believed to have cost the lives of at least three treasure hunters as they have gone out looking for this buried treasure. And one of those, a pastor from Grand Junction, New Mexico. So my question for you is how many of you are willing to go with me next week on a treasure hunt to try and find $2 million or more in value? Um, You know, every year, I bet you there are dozens upon dozens of people that lose their lives around this world searching for buried treasure. Whether it's buried treasure off of some gulf, off, off of some coast somewhere, or some buried treasure on some island that people go and look for, they go every year looking for treasure, and many lose their lives. What they're looking for is they're looking for a needle in a haystack. In our first parable this morning, we read of a man that was not looking for treasure, but happened to stumble upon treasure. So notice subpoint number one is this, the practice. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden 
in a field. Unlike modern times, back in the first century, formal banks did not exist. So people would not take their treasures and their money and deposit them inside of a physical bank like you and I do today. What they would actually do is they would go out on their property and they would dig a hole and they would put their valuables, their treasures, and their money into that container and then they would bury it. And when they needed to make a deposit or a transaction, they would go out into their own field, and they would dig up their treasure, they would make that transaction, and then they would bury that treasure again. It was common practice during the first century to do this. You know, in our days today, most of us bank at a physical bank. Some of you probably still do it old school, where you hide your treasure under your mattress, or you hide it in the walls of your house. But, but most of us, you know, go to a physical place and make our deposits and our transactions. That was not available during the first century. Notice the next sub-point is this. It is the discovery. So a man goes out and he finds buried treasure somewhere in the fields of Galilee. We do not know much about this treasure. We don't know much about the container that it was in. It could have been an actual treasure chest, or it could have been, most likely, is probably a clay pot that he happened to come across. What we do know is that this man finds this treasure. We don't know the 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 circumstances behind it. it could have been that after years of erosion, that treasure had made its way up to the top of the ground. It could have been that this man was building a tr- digging a trench from one field to another field and happened to come across this buried treasure. We're not told exactly what happened, but we are told that he finds this treasure. And notice what he does immediately. He covers it up. He finds the treasure and he immediately covers it. It up. Now, upon reading this passage of scripture for the first time, many of us may think that this man was actually a weasel for what he did. Why didn't this man who, who was digging or came across this treasure on a field that was not his, why did he not dig up that treasure and take it to the homeowner immediately and say, hey, I came across your treasure today. Here it is. I want to give this back to you. Um, I want you to have the opportunity to go back out and bury it on your field. And, you know, tell them the circumstances behind that. You know, this man did not do that. And so some of us may think indeed that he was a weasel. I want us to understand this morning that according to Jewish rabbinic law, if a man finds scattered fruit or money, it belongs to the finder. So basically, it's finders, keepers, losers, weepers. If this man found buried treasure on somebody else's land, it's the homeowner's fault for not doing a better job at burying that treasure. That, you know, um, it, you know, it's most likely that that treasure did not belong to the current homeowner or the current landowner. Had it belonged to the current owner, you know what he would have done as soon as, or right before he was to sell that land and and right before that transaction was final, he would have gone out and buried or, or dug up his treasure, wouldn't he have? He would have done that immediately. That's not what he did though. Um, so that leads us to believe that most likely this man either died a premature death or maybe during a wartime he was killed in battle or captured in battle. This man was not a weasel. Had he been a weasel, then he would have immediately taken that treasure upon finding it and ran off with it. He didn't do that. Notice this man's devotion. 
we read here, then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. He returned that treasure into the ground and immediately went out and sold everything that he had to purchase this piece of property. I'm sure that his family and friends thought he was crazy because I bet you they thought that that piece of property that he was spending everything that he had on was not worth the value that he was willing to give up to purchase it. Now, I want us to see what this parable is all about here this morning. This hidden treasure represents the kingdom of heaven. It represents the rule and reign of Christ. You and I must recognize the value of the kingdom of heaven. It is worth losing everything for. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. He wrote these words in Philippians 3, 7 through 8. He said this, I wrote these words, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may may gain Christ. There is no greater treasure, nothing more valuable in our lives than a relationship with Jesus Christ. I read the story of a lady who was sitting at the bedside of her dying husband. He was moments away from taking his final breath, and she sat at his bedside with a smile on her face, and she was wiping the sweat from his brow. A friend was visiting that day, and he became irritated at this lady because of her joy as she's sitting there watching her husband die. He asked this question, how can you be so happy when something so evil is happening. And this is what she said. She said, my husband deserves hell. And because of Christ, in a few hours, my husband will be with Christ in heaven. Is that not worth rejoicing about? He found that which is priceless, a relationship with Jesus Christ. In Matthew six twenty one, Jesus spoke these words, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You and I must abandon everything for Christ because he is far better than anything this world has to offer. Christ and his kingdom is of greater value than anything this world has to offer us. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that Christ and his kingdom is the most valuable treasure that we have on this planet. I pray that you do. Notice our next point is this, the pearl of great value. In Matthew 13, verses 45 through 46, we read these words. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went out and sold all that he had and bought it. You know, in our day, they tell us that there is no deadlier profession than crab fishing. Hence, deadliest catch. All right? One of the greatest TV programs out there. But during the first century, there was something more deadly than the deadliest catch. And that was actually pearl hunting. 
which is why the value was so extravagant. Notice the worth. In the next parable, we find a merchant who is out in search of fine pearls. Brian Bill wrote these words, Pearls were not easy to come by. Pearl divers would search for oysters in the Red Sea, in the Indian Ocean. They would search for it in the Persian Gulf. Gulf. One reason they were so valuable is because divers would literally lose their lives as they searched for these valuable pearls. They didn't have any modern techniques or equipment, so they would find a rock, tie a rope to that rock, tie a rope around their body, and they would drop that rope or that rock, and they would sink to the bottom of one of these bodies of waters. Since pearl oysters thrive at an average depth of 40 feet, it was hard work for them to find just one pearl. They would search along that ground for pearls, for clams and for oysters, looking and hoping to find a pearl. As they went down, they hoped they did not go too deep or stay underwater too long while they scoured through the murky mud looking for an opulent oyster. On top of all of this, on average, only one oyster in a thousand, um, only one pearl in a thousand oysters is actually found. In Revelation twenty one twenty one, we read these words. John witnessed and wrote these words. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. The Jewish Talmud states, pearls are beyond price. I did not realize this, but, but Egyptians actually worshipped pearls. And a woman who would demonstrate her wealth by filling her hair up with pearls. The more pearls she had, the more wealth she had. Pearls were of great value. So notice the discovery. This merchant who was out looking for pearls, on finding one pearl, he finds one pearl of great value. David Dykes wrote, a pearl is the only precious gem man doesn't make. Diamonds, rubies, and emeralds are rough crystals, and a craftsman must cut and polish them. But a pearl can't be cut. A pearl comes as a result of suffering. A little piece of sand or other irritant gets inside that oyster or that clam, and to help with the irritant, the oyster coats it with a substance called nacre. As the oyster continually covers the source of pain with this nacre, the result is a beautiful pearl. The pearl is the only gem that comes from a living creature. You know, this merchant's job is buying and selling pearls. I'm sure over the course of his life, he probably looked through hundreds of pearls, trying to find that one pearl, that, that, that mother of all pearls, that one pearl that would be his retirement account. He looked and looked trying to find this pearl. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you have ever desperately been in search of something? You've desperately searched with the hope and prayer that it would yield a great return. Maybe you've gone out, you know, treasure hunting before. 
Maybe you've gone out gold, gold mining before. You know, I remember as a kid, on one of our vacations, we went to Arkansas, and we went to a, a, a diamond mine. Some of you have been to one of these places where, you know, they plow up the ground and you get to go out there and you get to search for diamonds. We did that as a kid. I remember um, when my, my, being with my parents and I remember them going up to the, the counter and they were paying the money for us to be able to go out and search for these diamonds. And I remember the glass counter. Inside that glass counter was many of the largest diamonds that had ever been found. And there was a price tag that was associated with it or a value that was given to it, not only in carats, but also in dollars. And so, man, I saw that and I got pretty excited. Man, I thought that I was a pretty good treasure hunter. So I remember getting my bucket and I remember getting my shovel and I went out into that field and I dug and I dug for what seemed like hours trying to find that one diamond that had the greatest value. And if you know me well enough, especially back then, my wife would probably agree it's still the case today, um, my attention span isn't too great. And so I probably only spent a few minutes looking for this diamond and got frustrated and left my bucket behind and just went and played in the mud somewhere. But on that day, I was looking for something of great value. You know, in our story this morning, we find a man that is out looking for something of great value. For me, I struck out, didn't find a diamond. But for this man, this man found what he had been longing to find. Notice the sacrifice that this man makes. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. Do you see the picture here? The merchant is us and the pearl is the kingdom of heaven. This man sees the value of that pearl and goes out and sells everything that he has. The kingdom of heaven is priceless. You cannot put a value upon it. What I want us to see this morning is this. You and I cannot purchase our salvation, okay? So I don't want you to read that into this passage this morning. You and I are saved by grace through faith and nothing else. Salvation is a gift that the Lord Jesus Christ has made available to each and every one of us in this room. In this parable, what Jesus is teaching us is that salvation, a relationship with God the Father, a relationship with God the Son, a relationship with God the Holy Spirit is to be sought and is desired above anything else in our lives. Knowing Christ and experiencing salvation is a far greater value than any possession that you and I have. A relationship with Jesus is priceless, and we must be willing to sacrifice everything in this life that would hinder us from possessing a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. In the expository commentary, we read these words. Because the kingdom of heaven is something worth losing everything for, we joyfully let go of all things in order to passionately take hold of one thing. Jesus is speaking to his disciples who, like the merchant seeking for pearls, would lose much for following Christ. In fact, most of them would lose their lives. But they were following a king who promised in Matthew nineteen twenty nine, and everyone 
who has left houses, brothers or sisters, father or mother, children or fields because of my name will receive 100 times more and will inherit eternal life. We come to Christ because he offers a great reward. He is our great reward. Do you believe that this morning? Is Christ your great reward? Is he of great value to you? A relationship with Jesus Christ is indeed priceless. No value can be put upon it. No dollar amount can be associated with it. Notice our final point this morning. It is this, the kingdom and the net. We read in verses 47 through 48, we read this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. Notice the practice here. Of all the parables that Jesus had spoken to his disciples, this one right here was probably the most relatable. After all, Peter and James and Andrew and John, they were fishermen, weren't they? When Jesus called them to be fishers of men, their profession before that were fisher men. They had cast their nets into the waters of the Sea of Galilee probably hundreds, if not thousands of times over the course of their professional careers. They had caught great bounties of fish and they had gone nights without ever catching a single fish. In this parable, we see the success the fishermen had. The nets are cast and they catch a bounty of fish. In that bounty, there are two types of fish. There are the good fish, and then there are the worthless fish. So notice the separating that occurs. Jesus here is speaking of end times. Okay, Jesus is speaking of end times here. He speaks much like he did in the preceding verses a couple weeks ago. We looked at the parable of the wheat and the weeds, how they were gathered, and the weeds were burned, representing hell and and people that don't have a relationship with Jesus, while the wheat represented those that did have a relationship with Jesus and the kingdom of heaven was their great reward. So in verses 49 through 50, we read these words. So it will be at the end of the age. The angel will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There is coming a day. And we do not know when that will occur. But we do know that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to dispatch his angels. And those angels are going to come and they're going to separate the righteous from the unrighteous. They're going to separate those who are found to be in right standing with God the Father from those that are found to not be in right standing with God the Father. For, for the believer, we know that eternity awaits us. We know that an eternal life awaits us. For the believer, the greatest of all valued treasures await us, the kingdom of heaven where Christ rules supremely. Notice what awaits the unbeliever. Notice the severity of this. In verse 50, Jesus spoke these words. I'm not speaking these words. These are coming straight from the word of God. Jesus said this, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For the unbeliever, eternal death awaits them. 
A place that is beyond all comprehension. A place where Scripture tells us it will be a place of eternal fire. It will be a place of great weeping. It will be a place of gnashing of teeth. You know, have you ever experienced such pain in your life that you just grip your teeth together because it hurts so bad? Well, that's the picture of hell here. There is going to be a fiery, it's like a fiery furnace. There is going to be great weeping and there is going to be great gnashing of teeth. When I read these verses, I know clearly that hell will be a place of great excruciation. How many of us in this room wish hell upon anyone? None of us do, do we? None of us wish hell upon anyone. That is why as we value Jesus above everything else, we are to be sharing the world's greatest treasure with those that we do life with, with those that we get into proximity with, with those across these cities, across this state, across this nation, and across this world. A relationship with Jesus is priceless. If you do not know Jesus Christ this morning, then I want you to know that there is no greater relationship that you can experience than a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are here this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then I pray this morning that you will make the greatest decision that you could ever make. The Bible in Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us in this room have sinned. Every single one of us in this room have fallen short of God's glory. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, in the very first part of that verse, it says the wages of sin is death. The consequences for our sin, what we all deserve is eternal death. What we all deserve is hell. What we all deserve is, is verse 50 talks about We all deserve the fiery furnace. We all deserve eternal weeping. We all deserve gnashing of teeth for all of eternity. That's what we all deserve. For the wages and the consequences of our sin is eternal death. But there's there's good news in the latter part of Romans 6.23. It says this, but the gift of God. And in some translations like the ESV, it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life. What Jesus Christ has provided for each one of us in this room is eternal life. How do you experience eternal life? You repent of your sins, and then you acknowledge Jesus Christ as being king, as being Lord. In Romans 10, 9, we read, If we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. If we confess with our mouth and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is king and that he is ruler over all of our lives, and if we accept his rule over us, then Scripture is clear that we shall experience eternal life. If you're here this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then I want to invite you this morning to experience a priceless relationship with Christ. Knowing Christ is priceless. Come this morning and experience the priceless relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning 
If the Lord is leading you and your family to be a part of Friendship Baptist Church, then we invite you to make this your church home. You may need to this morning. Just where you're at, pray, or you may need to come to this altar and pray. And, and you know, I must admit, there are things in my life that I need to let go of because sometimes they take precedence to my relationship with Jesus Christ. Sometimes I value them more than I value Jesus. So you may be like me. You may need to release some things this morning that take greater attention. You give greater value to than you do your relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know what decision you need to make, but I want to invite you to stand, and we're going to pray. And then at the conclusion of this prayer, if there's a decision you need to make, I'm going to be standing here at the front. Our prayer team is going to lead us in, in a song. But let's, let's pray together. Father God, we come before you this morning. acknowledging that a relationship with you is indeed priceless. There is no greater relationship in all of this world than a relationship with you. Not a relationship with our family, not a relationship with our friends, not a relationship with, with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife or anyone or anything else. There is no greater relationship than a relationship with you. And so, Father, I pray for all of us in this room that we will value you far greater than we value any other relationship. Father, when you called us to follow you, you called us to abandon everything, to abandon everything for the sake of pursuing you. And so, Father, if there are things in our life that we have yet to abandon, that we have yet to give up, and give over to you, Father. Make that known to us this morning so that we can do that very thing. Father, we want to value you more than we value anything or anyone else. Father, in this room, there may be some that have never given their lives over to you. They may never have repented of their sins and placed their faith and trust in you. Father, if that is the case, I pray this morning. Father, they will come and make the greatest decision that they could ever make. There may be some in this room, Lord, that have been visiting this church for a while, and you're leading them to become a part of this faith family, Lord, and we invite them to come as well. Father, just move now during our time of invitation. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.